Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Welcome. Continuing in the laws of Shabbos, we come to chapter 14, Pedek Yudalid. And this is a very central, fundamental chapter which deals with some very basic issues of the laws of Shabbos. We are, if you recall, we are analyzing labor number 39, which is carrying from one domain to the other, or carrying more than four cubits, four cubits or more in a public domain. The Hebrew word for domain is reshus, reshut, or plural reshuyos, reshuyot. What do we mean when we say domain? What does a domain mean? Today in our computer world, we know what a domain is. But this was before computer worlds. What do we mean when we say domain? How many domains are there? What is the definition of a domain? And that's what this chapter is all about. So he begins by laying down the general rule the general background of Arba Rishuyas Lishabas. When it comes to Shabbos, the Sabbath, there are four domains which we talk about in the system of Halacha. Four domains. And he brings down here in a note that actually an ancient commentary on the Mishnah Torah from Egypt, emphasizes that the word rishus, which is translated as domain, also means authority. So in the context of space, a private domain might also mean a place that's controlled <clears throat> by a single authority. A public domain is referred to a place that's not controlled by a single authority. And as we will learn, a single authority doesn't necessarily mean one person. It could mean a group of people. It could mean a city. As we will learn, the complex laws of domains, but here, introductory, he says, there are four domains for Shabbos. One is Rishus Hayochid, a private domain, and in his commentary on the Mishnah, the Rambam describes a private domain, first and foremost, as a place that is not traveled by many people. And the converse is true, a public domain is a domain that is traveled by many people. A private domain is not traveled by many people. Domain number two is Urishus Harabim, a public domain, a place traversed by many people. And these are the two primary domains, public and private. Rishus Hayochid and Rishus Harabim. <clears throat> domain number three in the list of domains, Vicharmelis and a Karmelis. Or Carmelit. Now that's a word that we're going to translate as Carmelis. There's no good translation for it. What is the origin of the word? So in his commentary on the Mishnah, the Rambam explains the word 
Carmelis comes from Armelis, which is Aramaic for widow. A widow is a woman who was married but is not married. Her husband died. Carmelis means ki Armelis. It's like a widow, meaning she's not an unmarried maiden, nor is she a married woman. As we say in Yiddish, nishtahin nishtaher. Neither here nor there. That's what a Carmelis is. It's neither this nor this. It's not a public domain and it's not a private domain. Also, a Carmelis is a place that's not traveled by many people, not crossed by many people. So it's not a public domain. Nevertheless, it's not sufficiently set off from the public domain to be a private domain. It's neither here nor there. It's, it's a new animal in between a public and private domain by, and this is important, as Alfredo says, muy importante. This is by rabbinic law. Because by Torah law, there is no Carmelis. The whole Carmelis is rabbinic in origin. Because according to the Torah, the places that are defined as a Carmelis are either a private domain or, as we will learn, category number four, a mekom p'tur. And now we come to category number four, a mekom p'tur, literally a place of exemption. A place where one is not culpable. A place of non-liability. And we're going to have definitions. Again, to review, because this is very important. We have the private domain, we're going to define it. We have a public domain, we're going to define it. We have the Carmelist, or Carmelite, we're going to define it. And we have the Macomptur, the place of exemption, the place of non-liability. We're going to define that. Those are the four domains in Shabbos law. If you really digest that, if you're new to this, it's going to help you tremendously. Now, definition, or what is the definition of a public domain? And these definitions are tricky. They're not necessarily the way they sound. One example is going back to the Jewish people in the desert. There were lots of Jews in the desert. Midbore is a desert. And of course the commentaries explain that a desert can only be a public domain when there are lots of people in the desert. Not a barren desert. Va'ayores. Forests. Ushvokim. Marketplaces. And roads that lead to these places. Which means these are all places which can and do contain huge populations. Obilvad provided that. There's a caveat here. Provided that. That the width of the road, we said, the thoroughfares that lead to them. A public road. 
provided that the road is sheish esrei amo is a minimum of sixteen cubits. What's a cubit? Different interpretations, but we usually talk about a foot and a half. Twenty-four feet wide. The minimum width of a public road to be considered public, rabim, is 16 cubits wide, 24 feet wide. Velo yiye olav tikra. Another caveat is this public domain cannot have a roof, cannot be covered by a roof. Because if it's covered by a roof, it's not a public domain like the encampment of the Jewish people in the desert, the public domain was not covered by a roof. Therefore, even if the area meets the other criteria of a public domain, it's not considered to be this category if it has a roof. So that's the definition of the primary introductory definition of public domain. What is a private domain? And there we get interesting. What is a private domain? You have several choices. Choice number one is tail, a mound, higher ground, a hill, a mound, which is, has the height, minimum height, of ten Tefachim. What is a tefach? A handbreadth. Again, using the definitions in the back of the Kohat Chumash, a handbreadth is 3.15 inches. So 10 handbreadths would be 31 and a half inches high, like two and a half feet high. Two and a half feet high or higher off the ground. That's the minimum of this private domain. Ten handbreadths high. Verochav, and it has to have a width, a minimum width of arba tvachim al arba tvachim. Four tvachim by four tvachim. Again, a tefach is 3.15 inches. Four tvachim, remember this, four tvachim would be about 12 and a half inches. So the minimum surface has to be like a foot by a foot. It has to be two and a half feet high, a foot by a foot, top surface. A yes it okay, or more, but those are minimums. Ten twachim high, four twachim by four twachim uh, square. And we're talking about a mound above the ground. The fact that it's above the ground. This minimum sets it aside as a different domain. It doesn't have to have walls. It doesn't have to have anything. It just has the height. Similarly speaking, another example, another definition. That was definition number one. A mound that's high enough and has enough minimum surface. Definition two is choritz. A groove, a groove dug down, dug in. Shehu omek asora, which has a depth of a minimum of ten tfachim. 
31.50 inches or more. The Rochav al Arban is four Tfachim by four Tfachim, about a foot by a foot surface. A Yeser Akein or more so. That's another example. So it could be this private domain could be defined as private domain because it's a mound or because it's a pit, a groove. It's up or down, not the level of the public domain. It's higher or lower. Another option, which is our average concept of private domain. So also, mokem a place, which is encircled by arba mechitzas, four walls. If something has four walls, how high do the walls have to be? Govon asoro, they have to be minimum ten handbreadths high. Remember, the handbreadth is 3.15 inches according to this definition. 31 and a half inches high, like two and a half feet high, minimum. And the surface within these walls is at least four tvachim by four tvachim, about a foot by a foot. A yesedakein or more. I feel a yeshbe and It doesn't matter. It could even have many. A meal is approximately a kilometer. It can have many, many kilometers, many miles. But if, as long as it has the wall encircling it, and it has at least this foot by a foot, then it's considered a private domain. Now, provided that, if it was enclosed for the purpose of creating a dwelling, its living purpose. Again, for example, Medina For example, a city that's surrounded by a wall, classic. The old city of Jerusalem. Ir Mukefes Choma, a city surrounded by a wall for dwelling. Shadal Seisan in all his its gates are sealed, closed at night. So any city with a wall around it, meaning not only a house, but even a city. Furthermore, a, an approach, a lane that has at least three walls, and even if the fourth wall only has a board, a lintel on the top, and as we will learn later, this is the principle of Eruv, that a wall could be considered a wall because it has two boards running this way and a covering. That's another example of what can constitute a private domain. If there aren't four walls, you can have a lane of three walls plus a lechi. The lechi, he says here, serves... In the place of the fourth wall. Vechain, so also, Chotzer, a courtyard, Vidir, Vasar, a corral, a stable, Shehukful, the Dira, which were closed for the purpose of creating dwelling, Kulon, the they are considered private domain. So here we had three. Definitions of private domain. And again, if we're going to get the point here, let's slow down and review. What are these three definitions? 
a tail, a mound that's at least ten handbreadths high, two and a half feet high, and at least has a surface of a foot by a foot of four tvachim by four tvachim, or alternatively, instead of a mound or a hill, you could have an indentation, a pit, with those minimums, and instead of height, you go depth. Alternatively, something enclosed by walls, which has those minimums. Those are examples of private domains. Furthermore, bays too, apilokalim, even vessels that have the size required. A boat could be a private domain. A migdal or a closet could be a private domain. It's a wooden closet. Or in certain cases, a beehive. It's got to be obviously a big, substantial beehive. Okay, it's a bohen. Provided they have the minimums four tvachim by four tvachim, which is approximately a surface of a foot by a foot, a yasir alzer more, they are 100% by halacha considered private domain. And if these private domains exist, as they almost always do, in a public domain, it would be considered carrying from a private domain to a public domain. Gimel 3, Oveaxolim. The span of the walls themselves, Shoroshusayachar of the private domain, Kirshusayachar are like private domain. Because if if the walls could create distinction, separation from a public domain for that which is within the walls, surely the walls could act for itself. Now comes a very important law if we're going to begin to understand any of this. In a private domain... What is the height, the altitude, where the private domain ends? We learned earlier that a public domain ends at ten tvachim, which means above ten handbreadths, above, let's say, three feet. In a public domain is not public domain. It becomes a different domain, which we'll learn about, a more liberal domain. Private domain keeps going. There's no point as you go higher where you exit the limitations of the private domain. The space of a private domain is like the private domain. How high? Up to the sky. But conversely... The space of the public domain. is not public domain. Only up to ten handbreadths. This is an important fundamental rule, principle, axiom, that ten handbreadths or higher. In a public domain, is called a Makaimtur, is the fourth category, which is a place of non-liability we will define so anytime you go above 10 handbreadths in the public domain there are certain exceptions which we already learned about 
by carrying something on your shoulder or on your head, which is exactly what they did for the Mishkan, but those are exceptions, but the rule is ten handbreadths or higher is called a place of exemption. Now, coming from the Mosnayim Rambam, there is a diagram of the positioning of the wagons in the public domain. So here you have the roadway, and you have A is the space at the bottom. The public domain, which is 16 cubits wide, that's a minimum we learned. B are examples of the wagon, each being two and a half cubits wide. C refers to the open space of five cubits wide between the wagon, between the wagons. D is an open space on the side of the wagons, 3.1 cubits. And E is the length of a wagon, 5 cubits. And F is an open space between the wagons on the side. So here we see part of the logic of the definition of the 16 cubits and the roadway and carrying from wagon to wagon, which is the source in the Mishkan saga of these laws. Okay. For, so now we've gotten, we've gotten basic definition for public domain. We've gotten basic definition for private domain. Ezehu Carmelis. What's a Carmelis? That's area number three. Domain three. Definition of a Carmelis. That is tail. That is a mound. It has the minimum four handbreadths by four handbreadths that we talked about, but it doesn't have the minimum height. What was the minimum height we talked about for a private domain? Ten handbreadths or higher. But Vigova, in the case of a Carmelist, it only has the height, Mishlesha, more than three handbreadths. Viadasora, but not. Ten, less than ten. Now, we established earlier a principle that three handbreadths or less, again, a handbreadth is, according to this definition that we're using, 3.15 inches. So, three handbreadths would be about ten inches. Ten in, three handbreadths or lower from the ground is considered the ground. It doesn't have any, any solo definition, any independent definition. But if it's more than three handbreadths, but less than ten, because if it's more than ten, it's a private domain. The whole domain of Carmelis only works, in this case, up to ten handbreadths. Because above ten handbreadths is a private domain, if it has the width. The Carmelis always has the minimum width of four handbreadths by four handbreadths. So what's the difference between a Carmelis, if you're bearing with me, which I hope you are. What's the difference between a Carmelis, because I took extra medication today. What's the, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I don't take, well... What's the difference between a Carmelis and a private domain? The private domain is in excess of 10th Vachim. 
of ten handbreadths. This is between three and ten. Similarly speaking, the chain choritz sheyesh be arba arba yoser. So also, a groove that has the minimum surface of four by four a yoser or more alkain v'omek mishlei shenasar, and it doesn't have the full ten handbreadth depth, but is only from three to ten. So also, the third example we learned. It's an area encircled by four walls, four barriers. But the problem is they don't have the height we need. Govan, they are only Mishle Shabbat Asoda, higher than three handbreadths, but less than ten. Because if they were ten, they'd be a private domain. Okay, but they do have the minimum width. Of four handbreadths by four handbreadths, all of these are examples of Carmelises. Another example is Keren a corner of the public domain, next to the public domain, a corner adjacent, like we say here, do you live in Beverly Hills? I live adjacent. This is adjacent. It's a place that is encircled by three walls. Opening up to a public domain on the fourth wall. For example, a passageway that does not have that beam that we talked about earlier. Another example of a Carmelis is... A waterway, a sea, an ocean. Babika, or a valley of fields. Not a valley of millions of people. A valley of fields. Whether in the summer or the winter. All of the above are examples of Carmelis. Five, what is the definition of the rules of a Carmelis, Avira Carmelis, the space of the Carmelis, Hareik Carmelis Adasaratvachim, is like a Carmelis up to ten handbreadths, or the Mailam Asaratvachim, but above ten Tvachim, remember we learned, above ten Tvachim. In a private domain, remains a private domain. <coughs> above ten Tvachim in a public domain is a Mokim Tur, is the fourth category. Shut up this air and put on the corner one. What about above ten tvachim in a Carmelis? Well, kavira Carmelis is like the air of the Carmelis. is also a makam tur, so it has the same definition as the public domain. The fikas, therefore, me'al pnei amayim shebe'yamim v'shabenahoros, above the water, in seas and rivers, adasara t'vachim, up to ten t'vachim, kavir karmelis, is like a karmelis. Well, amayla masara, but higher than ten t'vachim, makam is that place of non-liability. So the only place above ten t'vachim, that continues to have the consistency of its place is the private domain. What about the depth of the water itself? Is like it was thick ground and it is the same domain as the ground. 
so that the waterway itself retains the domain of the ground, which is the Carmelis. Six, what if you have a pit or a storage vat in a Carmelis? Carmelis, it's considered like a Carmelis. Even if it's a hundred amas deep. If it doesn't have four hand breaths by four hand breaths. Because if it does have four hand breaths by four hand breaths, then it becomes a private domain. Public domain that does have a roof. So doesn't have the minimum width of 16 amas we talked about. Is a karmelis. So let's now suggest, let me now suggest a simple or simplified interpretation or definition of karmelis. A karmelis is a public domain that doesn't quite meet the criterion. And therefore, it doesn't meet the criterion. Biblically, it's not a public domain. But rabbinically, it was considered like a public domain because otherwise it's confusing. So that's a Carmelis. A Carmelis is a public domain which is not technically meeting all the requirements of a public domain. Each stall, and here you have a, a drawing. Between pillars in a public domain, there's a public domain, which is a marketplace. And then there are stalls, which are designed by pillars. The stalls are inside the pillars. These are where people display their wares. This is a Carmelis. Because it's the stall between the pillars of a public domain. And the space at the sides of the public domain is also kakarmalis. The space between the pillars, the open space. Because the public walks there, they can be considered public domain because it's conceivable at a fair that you have lots and lots and lots of people crowded going between stalls. So the actual stall areas are not public domain, but the walkway in between them, and look at this design here, look at this, uh, what do they call these things? Yeah. Uh, This shows the walkway between the different stalls diagram. Okay, Zion 7, next definition, Ezehu Mokim Ptur, what is meant when we say Mokim Ptur? That's category number four, domain number four. Mokim Shiesh Bepochas Me'arbal Arba, remember the Carmelis had a caveat. It needed to have at least four hand breaths by four hand breaths to be a Carmelis. A Mokim Ptur doesn't even have the four hand breaths by four hand breaths. But it must have at least three off the ground, because anything less than three off the ground is like the ground. Less than three is like earth. So that's category or domain number four. It doesn't have the minimum of four by four length and width. Four 
hand breaths by four hand breaths. Now, some examples. Even if you have brambles, beers, and dung, which are places that people will not climb on. Brambles and beer are like wood uh, all over the place where you can't even climb on, like branches and, and intertwined. Or dung, obviously, is, is, is filthy. No one's going to walk on it. Govan Shlesha, if they are three hand breaths higher, uh, three hand breaths high, so they're not earth, but they don't have a width of four by four, they are a place of exemption. Or a groove that doesn't have four by four, but it does have the depth. Or an encircled domain that doesn't have the four by four. Even if it's a thousand mils long, but it doesn't have the minimum width and length. I mean, length it has, but it doesn't have the width. It is four hand breaths wide, minus a little tiny hair's breadth. It's missing the thickness of a barley corn. The and it's higher than three. That's another example of a place of non-liability. As mentioned earlier, the space of a public domain, or the space of a carmelist, higher than ten handbreadths. So this is the these are examples of makumptur. So now we kind of have the definition of these four domains. And as I said earlier, this is like very fundamental to understand the whole system of the laws of Shabbos. Carrying. Eight. What if there's a place that's exactly nine hand breaths, but not ten, and not eight? No less and no more. Set in the public domain. Then it remains like the public domain. We don't care how long and wide. Whether wide or narrow. The reason is because being that it's nine tefachim. Remember a tefach is 3.5 inches. So it's like 30 inches high. Or 28 inches high, whatever it is. People use it. They put stuff there. So the public domain has access to it. It's too convenient to declare it as a private domain. But if it was more than nine, or less than nine, if it has the four by four, then it becomes a carmelist. Of course, if it was over ten, it would be a private domain. If it doesn't have that minimum length and width, then it's a domain of exemption. Another example, nine, Gog. And here you have a sketch. Gog, there's a roof that is close to a public domain. It is within the ten hand breaths. And if you see the diagram here, it appears to me at least that the road kind of goes up. 
it's a hill. It's set in, in San Francisco. The hills of San Francisco. The, the road kind of goes up. So as you're up at the top of the road, you can just kind of reach up and touch the roof. So now, somebody's private roof is going to be just too convenient to use to the public thoroughfare. That's, I think, the issue. Then again, I'm just a simple guy from New Jersey. So what do I know? Being that the public uses it for their loads. You take your load off, you put it down, you put down your Diet Coke on it, and so on. Diet Coke was very big in the time of the Rambam. I'm just trying to wake everybody up here. Also, the Talto Bagag, it's forbidden to move stuff around on that roof. In other words, can the owner of that roof use it as a private domain? The answer is not until he makes a ladder going from his private yard up to the roof so that it's visible, clear to everyone, this is my domain. I got my ladder and I can use it. Then it becomes his domain because of the visible ladder. A pillar in public domain, which is ten cubits high and four wide. This is an example of a private domain within a public domain. It has the criteria. It's ten. Hand breaths or more. It's four by four. It's all good. However, if it has within it a spike, somebody nailed a spike in. So now people can hang stuff on the spike. You can put your horse there. Even if it's less than three. Hand breaths high, because you can hang stuff on that spike, on that hook. But you can use it, that reduces the ten hand breaths height, and the spike causes it to become not a private domain, but a carmelis. In order to establish a private domain, you now have to go above the spike. And get ten handbreadths. I feel the days. What if the whole pillar was filled with spikes? You got troubles. Then you can't really create a private domain out of this. Because people use it, they hook stuff there, they hang stuff there. What if there are holes in the wall of a private domain? They are like the private domain. Because a private domain is a private domain. I can have a hole in my private domain. It's my, my secret, uh, my safe where I hide things. But when there's a hole in a public domain, they lose that definition of that domain. Then what are they? Depends how big they are. A hole on the side of a, private, of a public domain. If it has the minimum four handbreaths by four handbreaths, high ten handbreaths, classical example of a private domain. But if it doesn't have the height, then classical carmelus. 
Remain by arbal arba if it doesn't have the four handbreadths by four handbreadths, which is the minimum of a private domain. And the minimum, as we learned earlier, of a Carmelis, remember, the Carmelis also required the four handbreadths by four handbreadths. Then if it's not a public, it's not a private domain, and it's not a Carmelis, then what is it? It's a place of exemption. Provided that, it's at least three handbreadths high. Because if it was less than three, we learned earlier that Less than three is love wood is connected to the ground and like the ground. That's a very basic principle in Shabbos law. Now that we know basic definitions, so what? What are the rules pertaining to these domains? Rishus HaYochid a private domain and a place, domain four, which is the Mokim a place of exemption. You can carry as much as you want throughout a private domain. You can carry as much as you want within a Mokim domain four. Even if the private domain was several kilometers long, a city. Metalta Bakula, or the place of exemption. You could carry and carry and carry. However, a public domain, which is that biblical public domain, the Hakarmalis and a Karmalis, which is that rabbinic public domain, ain't metaltal in Bohem You can also only carry, as we learned earlier, within one's immediate proximity. Of one's four amas, six foot square around the person. And if somebody carried or extended or threw outside the four amas, cubits, now we're talking about cubits. A cubit is a foot and a half, so it would be like six feet. Chayav, he's culpable. Well, the Carmelist, but in the Carmelist, being that it's rabbinic, it's potur. She'isra karma. What does potur mean? As we've learned many times, potur aval asur, exempt. There's no there's no biblical liability of skila of the stoning or the karas or the cutting off of the soul or even the sin offering for inadvertent. That's called potur aval asur, but rabbinically forbidden. That's the idea of rabbinic law. The prohibition of a Carmelis is rabbinic. Because it resembles a public domain. It looks like a public domain. We're concerned that people will mistake it for a public domain. And if you see people carrying there when they shouldn't, you're going to say, okay, you're allowed to carry. Therefore, there are leniencies in a Carmelis. So if you don't need the body of the act of whatever you're carrying out. For example, he removed a thorn. He carried a thorn in a Carmelis. You don't need the thorn. You just moved it out of the way that no one should be hurt. Being that it's a rabbinic Carmelis, it's permissible. Because the rabbinic decree doesn't apply to public safety. Even if he moved it quite substantial, many cubits, 
and similar. Now I want to just pause for a moment and point out something that I think is very, very important. Although the Rambam does not deal with it, it is dealt with in other places. It is dealt with in Shulchan Aruch, it is dealt with in the Rab Shulchan Aruch, it is dealt with Al Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, it is dealt with in Mishnah Brura. That a public domain has to have 600,000 or more people hanging out there at one time, or in one day, or in one hour. That's a lot of people. What's the number 600,000? It's the number of Jews in the desert. And I'm going to read from a note here. That it's already become public custom. This comes from these sources. To accept the view that nowadays there is almost no possibility of a real public domain. But these texts, of course, suggest that a God-fearing person should act stringently and should not rely on this leniency. So according to some, there are the average outside public domain is not really a public domain. It's more of a rabbinic public domain. However, he points out here in this modern commentary that it must be noted that in many major cities today, such as New York, London, Paris, maybe Los Angeles, there are 600,000 people walking through that particular area. So therefore, in a metropolis of this size, there could be places which could be categorized as public domains. But you're going to run into the 600,000 rule, and I don't want to just gloss over it without mentioning it, because the Rambam does not bring it down. Okay. Just as it's permissible to carry throughout this exempt place, that's domain four. You're also permitted to carry something from domain four into a public domain, from domain, I'm sorry, into a private domain, from domain four into a public domain. That's why it's called a mokam tour, it's exempt. As well as a Carmelis. I mean, if you're allowed to carry from the Makom Tour into a public or private domain, you're surely allowed to carry into a Carmelis, which is only rabbinic. You can bring stuff from private domain to it, public domain to it. Surely from a Carmelis to it. So that's the idea of a Makom Tour, of domain four. 13, just as by rabbinic law it's forbidden to carry throughout the Carmelis, it's also forbidden by rabbinic law to carry from the Carmelis to private domain, from the Carmelis to public domain, to carry from the private domain into the Carmelis, from the public domain into the Carmelis. If he did, Potter, he's exempt from. Punishment from skila, chorus, or chatos, but forbidden by rabbinic law. That's the potter, the classical potter of a loser. 
14, if somebody transfers an item from pri- one private domain to another private domain, a from one public domain to another public domain, and there is a karmelis. How do we define karmelis? A rabbinic public domain in the middle. Or, similarly, if somebody hands, transfers, a or he throws Mizulazu from private domain to private domain, or from public domain to public domain. The Carmelis Bams, and there's a Carmelis in the middle, Potter is exempt. If he takes an object out from public domain to a Carmelis and puts it down there, and then he picks it up and goes into the private domain which means he went from public domain to private domain but threw it in the middle he put it down in a carmelis put down pick up an example another example from a private domain to a carmelis puts it down again technically he's not liable but it's forbidden because it's a rabbinic law violation. 15, which means he can't do it to begin with. If somebody carries out something from private domain to public domain, and he passed a place of exemption, domain four, which happened to be there on the way, is culpable. Because walking, he only walked through the Malkam tour. Walking doesn't mean anything. Walking is not putting down, is not standing. Certainly throwing where it just crossed over this domain four, but it didn't land there. It's not like it landed, it flew over it. What if he was standing in this exempt domain, domain four, and he took an object from private domain. Remember, he's in a Exempt domain, he takes an object from a private domain or from a man, a person standing in the private domain. And he puts it down in a public domain or in the hand of a man. So he, this Mr. Malcolm Tour, is ferrying an object from one domain to the other domain. Potter, again, he got away with it. It's forbidden, but he's not liable. If he took something from, from a, pub, a public domain to a private domain, and he stopped in a place of exemption, Potter is exempt. And here we have some diagrams. A, we have diagram ABC, the transfer of an article from a public domain to a private domain via a Carmelis. So A is a, pri- a public domain. B is the Carmelis, and C is the private domain. If he puts it down, if he doesn't put it down, and then we have the other, the private domain in which the article was originally located is A, a Mokum tour in which the person transporting the article was standing. He reaches over to A and hands it over to C. These are some of the diagrams here. Okay. 16. The case here is where there's a pillar located in a public domain. And we learned it's considered a private domain because it has all of the requirements. What are the requirements? 
It has a four by four surface, four handbreadths by four handbreadth surface. And it has the height minimum of ten handbreadths. So what's the problem? The problem is that at the low point of the pillar, it doesn't have the complete four by four. It's cut out at the bottom. And there is a diagram. The bottom of the pillar doesn't have the four by four. The top has it. But there is on the low point at least three. It's still considered a private domain. And if he throws from the public domain and it lands on top of that pillar, he's culpable, he's liable. And here, there is a principle of good achit that the barrier keeps moving down and the missing place doesn't really mean anything because we, vis- we visualize the barrier as if it keeps going. That the law kicks in sometimes in laws of sukkahs and so on. Tail hamislakit a mound whose incline ascends ten handbreadths within a distance of four cubits. If you know anything about handicap ramps, this is a, a handicap ramp. You have to have an incline, but it can't be too steep. It has to meet certain requirements. So again, this situation is a tail, it's a mound, and you have a diagram. It does reach its ten handbreadths minimum. And it reaches that within a four cubit distance. In the laws of handicap ramps, there are laws as to how steep it could be and how steep it can't be, and so on. It's considered a private domain because it has the height. And we threw from the public domain and it landed on it. Chayav is culpable. Yud Zion 17. Not Kono Birshus Hayochid. If somebody implants a reed in a private domain, he takes a reed and sticks it in the ground in a private domain. A could be ten amas, even a hundred amas high. So it's a reed on the ground. And he threw something from the public domain, and it ended up on top of it. Chayav is culpable. Why? It's only a reed. It doesn't have the width. Because it's in a private domain. A private domain goes up to the heaven. The fact that it's sitting on a reed is irrelevant. It doesn't have to sit on anything. It's private domain. It landed on the reed, that's good. A tree standing in a private domain. And its branches hang over in a public domain. And he throws something and it lands on rather on the branch. So it's a branch coming out of a tree in a private domain. But the branch is hanging over in a public domain. And you threw something from the public domain. Because the branch does not follow the private domain where it comes from. The branch is where it is. Yudches, interesting, famous 
scenario here, no, it's if he plants a reed in the public domain, and at the top of this reed is a basket, like a tisket, a tasket, a green and yellow basket. Vizorak, and then he threw something, and something landed in the basket. Basket. Basketball. Pottery is exempt. Why? Because the thing is standing in the public domain and it's high up. The public domain's domain only reaches up to ten hand breaths. Up to like two and a half feet. Higher than that, this thing is high up. So what if somebody throws something? For Amos, which is the length that one has to throw something or carry something in a public domain, and the thing landed on the wall, such as something sticky. Jack. He threw either something sticky. Fats or dough became attached to the wall. If it got attached above the ten cubits, it's like you throw it into the air. Because again, it's a mokam tur. But if it got attached, stuck to the wall, lower than ten hand breaths, it's like you threw it on the ground. is culpable. If he threw it higher than ten and it landed in any hole, potter is still exempt. Nineteen. He throws a reed or a spear from a private domain. And it lands in the public domain, standing up. Potter is exempt. Because part of it is higher than ten tvachim. Part of it is in an exempt area. Is in an exempt area. If he throws a vessel, something large, from the private domain to the public domain. And that was a large thing. For example, a piece of plywood. A big piece of plywood. Somebody throws this massive piece of plywood. And it has the minimum size. It has the height. Potter is exempt. Because this becomes... A private domain. He threw it from a private domain. Not a piece of plywood. A box. He threw a, a, a chest. And the chest is big enough to be considered a private domain. So I correct myself. Not a plywood. A box. And it lands. He goes from private domain to public domain. So what you have is, it is its own private domain. And because it's its own private domain, it's like you threw from a private domain to a private domain. It's kosher, not a problem. Here are some interesting cases, and by the way, many, if not all of these cases, which the Rambam brings down here, are all questions and answers in the Talmud. And the Rambam gives you his decisions. 20, I don't know if you've noticed, but this chapter is a little longer than most. (laughs) That's why I doubled up on my medication. What if there's a pit? 
that is nine handbreadths deep in a public domain, we learn that that is not a private domain because it's missing one. He took a chunk, a clot of earth from the substance. Took out the earth. So now it's ten. So he created ten by removing earth. Even though removing the clot of earth and creating the domain comes simultaneously because it's only upon removal that it created the domain. Potter is exempt. Because it didn't have ten to begin with. Another example. If the pit was ten. So it does have the minimum. And he threw in a bunch of earth and reduced it to nine. Potter is exempt. Because putting it down and removing the domain came simultaneously. Therefore, there's an exemption. 21. Here's my plywood. Somebody, I got my plywood in the wrong place. Okay. Mixed up my plywood. That's why I'm in therapy. By the way, there is a diagram of the pit whose depth is 10 handbreadths, and it's reduced by the addition of earth. That's a diagram, and now we come to the next diagram. Hazedic daf, if somebody throws a piece of wood, like a piece of plywood, and it happened to land on a bunch of poles. In a public domain, it has now become, by definition, a private domain. Why? Because it's high enough and it's wide enough and it's long enough. It's got the 10 hand breadths, minimum height. It's got the width of 4, length of 4, it's all good. Even if there's a vessel on top of this, Potter is still exempt. Why? Because the landing and the creation of the domain came simultaneously, and therefore nothing happened. But you've got to be pretty good to be able to make that shot. 22, we're getting there. This chapter has 24 paragraphs, and we're on 22. So I want everybody to be encouraged. A pit. That is 10 cubits deep and wide, 8 wide in a public domain. All of a sudden, we're talking about 8 wide. What's 8 wide? 8 wide is twice 4. 2 times 4 is 8. And now he throws a mat. And the mat ends up down the middle. Precision throwing. I used to throw like that when I was a kid. You now have two pits, slightly less than four. Because it was exactly eight, the mat takes place too. You put it down, you don't have the barriers. Every place is now less than four by four. A pit in a public place. Omekasara has the depth of ten handbreadths. Verachavarba has the width of four handbreadths. Mile Mayim, if he fills it with water, and he throws something in it, and it lands on the water, he's culpable. Why? We learned earlier. The water is considered part of it. The water doesn't mean anything. 
So it's as if it was there. But if it was filled with kamquats, with watermelons, what if it was filled with fruits? And he threw something into it. Potter, he's exempt because it doesn't have the minimum space. Should I meet to our Paris Ashuri? Because the fruit reduced its minimum space. An irrigation ditch that flows, that contains water that flows through a public domain. I guess we're talking about the LA River. Or any irrigation ditch. And people use it. If it has 10 cubits deep is one thing. But if it's very shallow, then it doesn't create its own definition. It becomes like the public domain from which it comes. It doesn't change domains. Even if it's four amos, that's amos, even if it's four cubits, like six feet wide. But it doesn't have the depth. It doesn't have the ten handbreadths depth. Or it doesn't even have the four handbreadths. Because most people will jump over it and will not walk within it. And part of the definition of public domain is walking within it. So this is like not so much public domain. How can you say it continues to be public domain? It doesn't have the depth of ten. It remains its general setting of the public domain. But if it does have the minimum depth of ten and breaths or more, then it becomes a caramelist like all the other waterways which we talked about. One of the classical examples of caramelist was a river, a lake. If it has the width of four handbreadths or more, remember we learn a Carmelis never compromises on the minimum of four by four. A Carmelis always must have the four handbreadths width and the four handbreadths length. The compromise of the Carmelis is in the ten of the height. My dear friends, Everybody deserves a prize today because we finished chapter 14.